And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Only two days after a really quite epic end to the 2023 MotoGP season, the 2024 season began with the Valencia Test and the very, very eagerly awaited debut of Marc Marquez on the Ducati. I'm Matt Beer, returning to the Race MotoGP podcast. Joining me from a bleary Valencia media centre are Val Harunchi and Simon Patterson, who are looking like they've kind of survived a week together relatively well. Yeah, thumbs up from Val. Odd facial expression from Simon. Uh, we'll get into how you two are getting on a bit later because we just need to go straight into Mark Marquez on a Ducati. Spent a while at the top of the timesheets today, ended up a very close fourth. Uh, before starting to record this podcast, I was editing your column, Simon, which basically said that anyone who thinks Marquez won't be 2024 champion is an idiot, or words to that effect. Um, so I'll let you get straight in and expand on that if you like. I mean, I think the exact word I used was delusional, and I stand by it. Yeah, um, that was it. <laughs> he he is absolutely a title contender because we thought coming into this weekend he'd be quick into this test. Um, he was, I think, he didn't surprise me. This this is exactly the level of pace I expected him, where he purposely spent quite a bit of time at the top of the timesheets, where he was super fast all weekend, where he were or all day, where he was you know eventually essentially in the same pace he was on on a Honda this weekend and walked away from it beaming, happy, delighted, swaggering. Um, you know, I said before this test he was going to be a title contender next year. I've seen him ride the bike. It's All it has done is basically reinforce uh, the preconceptions I had. Um, he is still Mark Marquez. He's back and he's going to smash things up next year in a big way things as opposed to himself we'll make a change after the last last few years Val what was your take you, you got some really good takes from his rivals this evening at the test as well but let's let's talk about your thoughts first we, I, I'm not quite sure you were as gung-ho as Simon with your expectations but uh, what was your take on his on Marquez's early lap times no I, I I think I was pretty similar in terms of expectations I think that's just exactly what I expected and also sounds like it's exactly what all the other all, all the other riders expected. Uh, Mark, Mark was really fast, and he was fast right away. But that's not surprising because if we know one thing about Mark, it's that he is insanely adaptable above everything. He's obviously a very fast rider. He's a good qualifier. He's an aggressive racer, but above everything else, he is the most adaptable. When the conditions are slightly weird, when something is slightly off, that's where Mark Marquez comes to the fore, right? And so there's just no surprise when you give him a different machine and he's immediately at a competitive level with it. I think in terms of like proof of concept, it just it doesn't tell us anything new because there was no reason to expect that he that he wouldn't be good. Uh, I he said himself that you know because of his time on the Honda, it it wasn't necessarily that he can be certain that the habits that he has from the Honda will be quick to 
quickly and learned in the Ducati. But I don't know, man. He's just he's really adaptable. And as Ane Bastianini said today, the Ducati is the best bike for first taste. So I'm just not re- not surprised. And he, I wouldn't say I'm less gung ho. I'm just not massively emotional about it not giddy about it because that's this is what it is supposed to look like when a rider of that caliber gets on a bike of this caliber that's also your respective characters i think as well go carry on simon well what what i was about to say fits exactly into that because i was basically going to say that i think my favorite thing is that all the uh all the people who were hoping for him to fail have been definitively silenced. And I quite like that because I've never doubted Mark Marquez's talent and no one else should either, regardless of how they actually feel about him as a, a human, a race or a person. He is superbly talented. Um, and anyone who questioned his adaptability, the guy won MotoGP as a rookie. He won a second race in the first title. Um this was always going to happen because exactly as Val said, it's one of his traits. It's one of his strengths. Um, he was going to be fast from day one. One of the things you took aim at in your column, Simon, which is basically a kind of attack on any doubts anybody expressed on social media today was the fact that Marquez was jumping onto this very sorted bike. He could just ride around, do his thing, learn the bike, whereas so many of the people were trying new machinery, had things to actually test. Uh, it's fair to say you've not got too much time for that argument, isn't it? Well, I mean, it, it's true. He, he didn't have much to test today. But also, that's his biggest strength of this season. He's not here to develop a bike. He's just here to win on a bike that's already been developed for him. Um, his adaptability means that he doesn't need to spend three months turning this bike into something that suits him with uh, you know all the factory support in the world, because that's not how Mark Marquez goes. I remember being in being in a a, a media scrum at the start of the 2022 season at Sepang with Peko Bagnaya and Peko kind of half-jokingly, half-seriously complaining that the reason that Enea Bastianini was so fast was because the only thing he had to change in the bike was fuel and tyres. And that's Marquez's situation right now. And that season started and Bastianini won three out of the first nine or first seven races when no one expected him to. So... Marquez is in the same position. He's gone into next year with no care in the world, nothing to worry about in a development front, a bike that will not change substantially weekend from weekend with a massively experienced crew chief to help him set it upright and get a good base setting. And they're going to spend the first half of the season making life incredibly difficult for everyone else. Um, the only other person in a, a vaguely comparable situation right now is Marco Pozzecchi, who has similar level of of speed today, um, who has very quickly developed a rather bitter feud with Marc Marquez, which is highly entertaining, and who, you know, is on a year-old bike, the exact same bike as Marquez, and doesn't have to do anything either all winter, and who knows that his best chance next year of a good start to the season, like it was this year, is to score points in the first half of the year. I mean, look look at his super strong massively unexpected title campaign that lasted until like the summer break and then he just disappeared that that's kind of what marquez is going to try and do except he's got that little bit of extra talent i think that will carry him through to the end and leave him the champion this time next year i think the guy we can compare today to mark and i I understand the the development question because 
like Alex Rins got on the Yamaha, and I'll we'll touch upon him later, but he like immediately went testing aero, basically. And I can't imagine that like Johan Zarco didn't test some stuff. The one guy we can compare today is Franco Morbidelli, who we did not speak to today. Franco Morbidelli debuting on a Pramac Ducati after after a lot of time on the Yamaha today. And Morbidelli had a good day. If he looked decent, he looked fine, but you could you could just tell the it took him a lot longer to build up and he did not arrive at the same type of lap, lap time as Marquez. There's a, a substantial substantial gap there. So one of the most interesting things about this this today wasn't just how fast Marquez was going to go or not go. It's reading into the storylines this is going to create. Because it's one thing Marquez being on a Ducati. It's another Marquez being on a Ducati when you've got a reigning champion on a Ducati. When you've got someone like Bezecchi who is riding for Valentino Rossi's team. When you've got Jorge Martin in the mix. So... I was I was really fascinated to hear how the rest of the Ducati camp reacted to what Marquez did. Most of what you guys relayed was along the lines of lots of shrugging and people going, "Yeah, obviously, with a smirk, we expected this to happen." But it wasn't wasn't quite that simple, was it? I think it was. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was exactly that simple. I mean, what what can they do? I think they just <laughs> they probably took away that information somewhere at the, to the back of their head for, for the conclusion of the regular season and the season ended and there's the test but all he can do is just try not to get that information out of it before before the time arrives you don't really you don't need to think about it because there's nothing to think about like the, the, the moment you got the news you knew that there's another title contender on the block who in the worst case scenario will be the only title contender and like in the absolute best case scenario will be like like the third or fourth fastest rider on the grid so what what can they do and what can they say right now except for yeah he's, he's quick already as an a bastianini said you know he was quicker than the other ducatis through the through turn eight which was which is a long sweeping left-hander so hello familiar familiar mark marquez trait um there's there's just there's really is not I, I know riders don't really like to comment on rivals so much but there's not so much to say today because this is this is the scenario they could have if anything they can probably take a bit of solace in the fact that you know i think he did two time attacks to conclude his day right and the second time attack was maybe a half tenth gain on the first one and maybe they can go back to their boxes and say expected a bit more from the second time attack that's that genuinely is the only thing <laughs> and that's it's not a it's not a big thing is it but it's like Maybe you can you can say to yourself, but you know he's gotten where he is on his adaptability, and now it's a question of how much extra he can actually push out of the package. But I I think that's I suspect that's grasping at straws. I mean, for me, the the single most worrying thing that was said today was uh, the the, the Nini line about him being fast already through turn eight. Um, even if I didn't think that he was going to come out of next season as a champion. Um, I'm now absolutely certain that he's going to come out of next season with wins at Aragon, which is back in the calendar, at Coda and at Saxon Ring, because obviously the whole left-hand corner super-fast Mark Marquez thing, it's there right away. Like, imagine how demoralizing that is to another Ducati rider to suddenly discover that he's already good at that thing that he's really good at, like, better than them at it. Um you know, the whole package might not be there yet, but he is obviously performing. Um, yeah, it's it's actually, it's kind of scary. Um, and, and I'd imagine there's a few of them going home tonight, having spent time looking at their data quite depressed, 
Uh, one Ducati rider I particularly enjoyed hearing from was Alex Marquez because, of course, he made exactly the same transition from Larry Honda to Enjoyable Ducati this time a year ago. He hadn't actually spoken to Mark by the time you guys chatted to him, had he, Vale? But he said he could basically predict everything Mark was going to say to him. Yeah, and I, to be fair, I think, I think he's quite giddy about being able to share this particular experience with his brother because, as we've mentioned multiple times, they should have been Honda teammates for a season. They weren't. I, I do find myself wondering a lot whether... The question is whether it would be a problem for Alex to share the garage with, you know, the super legend and looking at his data and presumably seeing some things that he can't quite do and having just him swoop in and immediately become team leader. But I think the the bond between them is just close enough to where that will come through and that part will elevate also Alex, I think. But also I just I want to think that. So that's, I think, part, part of that, part of my take on the, on the situation. And we will we'll chat a little bit more over the winter about the rest of the Ducati camp. But the two guys who spent this season dominating were slightly overshadowed today, not in an unexpected way, given that they they had very different intentions and programs than Mark Marquez. But how would you how would you summarize the, effectively the start to Peko Banyar and Jorge Martins' twenty twenty four season? I mean, the pair of them were were kind of reserved tonight, but. Bagnaya in particular had a real confidence about him. Um, He sounded like someone that was pretty sure that kind of everything had went really well today. Um, He gave us a few little pointers on on where the bike was better. Um, Pretty much said that the bike wasn't worse anywhere. Um, In a lot of places it was the same, which is what he'd asked for but that it was better in corner entry, which is obviously his huge strength under braking, and that the uh, the power delivery on, on an exit on acceleration was more aggressive than it had been last year, which is exactly what he wanted it to be. Um, you know, he, he kind of jokingly said, give me 15 horsepower more than the, uh, the 2023 bike and I'll find out a way to manage it and that'll give me the advantage I need to smash all these guys like Pizzecki that think they've got something on me. Um, yeah, he, he was he was super confident tonight. That was my takeaway from that, that he was someone who was really, really pleased with how his test had gone. Bastianini is always a little bit harder to read, um, in large part because his English isn't as good, but kind of similar vibes from him where, where things had just went the way he wanted them to, way, to go. Um Neither of them were there to, to make waves today, to make headlines. Um, and I think that, that kind of was reflected in their end results. Um, it, it would have been a whole lot easier for the two of them today to make big headlines by doing things wrong. In fact, that's really the only way they could have made headlines today. I think if, if they'd been first and second after a time attack, we still wouldn't be talking about them that much tonight in comparison to the likes of Marquez. Whereas it would have taken a real disaster for them to be a big story today and it, it absolutely was not that disaster for them. Yeah, it was kind of a disaster for, for Jorge Martin in a way, right? Because yeah. Jorge Martin crashed the the GP24 prototype that he had. He crashed it twice in, I, I don't want to say quick succession, but only because after he crashed it for the first time, it had to be repaired. So, you know, it was repaired, it was sent out again and then immediately for some reason, it, it, it like lost, he lost the rear through turn six. So that was a bit untidy i think we haven't heard from him today but i i suspect after that the day sort of sorted itself out but 
it, it was hard not to, you know, not to remember the weekend he'd had and the, you know, at the time that he had the the two crashes after the weekend, it was hard not to sort of put those two in one one basket of Jorge Martins not so good at time at Valencia. <laughs> yeah, this is another thing that's really interesting for this whole Marquez on a Ducati dynamic that we're going into a season where those guys, Peco has got, has got a title to defend, Jorge Martins got a load to prove again now in a way after the way the season ended. He achieved so much, but ended defeated i i can't wait to see how that dynamic with marquez thrown in the mix with bezecchi with another year of experience plus a marquez grudge it is going to be an awful lot of fun looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, let's talk about the team that Marquez just walked out of. I actually saw um, quite a good selection of uh, pictures from our supplier, Golden Goose, of uh, Joanne Mir and Marquez in the same place on track today. And that made me giggle a little bit, wondering what was going through Mir's mind as he followed the Ducati. But uh, the more interesting people in the Honda today were the newcomers, Luca Marini uh, getting his first taste of it, Johan Zarka getting back on a Honda. So did Honda's day go quite well? It seemed from the outside like it, it actually might have done well. Honda's day went amazing. It didn't go quite well. It went phenomenal. Honda's day went uber well. Uh, you could all already tell it from sort of the early comments of the of the team bosses on MotoGP.com stream. They had Lucio Cicinello, the LCR Honda satellite team boss, and they had Alberto Puig, the, the team boss of the main factory team. And both were already like, we've heard some pretty great feedback from our riders. And what really drove me home what what it what drove home for me really just how well it went were you know we didn't get to speak with Luca Marini but obviously on that one the timesheet speak for himself I never expected him to be this fast today never ever ever so so fast so soon on a on a bike that's supposed to be famously recalcitrant for a rider that I who I don't want to call a slow learner but who isn't maybe you know sort of the natural uber adaptable sort of instant click with the machine type of guy and Juan Mir 
who was slower than Luca Marini, but I think that was deceptive because he didn't really go for anything resembling a glory run. When he showed up to the media session, I mean, he was the happiest I've seen him. I don't know. He was, he was like, he wasn't just happy. He was kind of puzzled <laughs> by how well the day had gone. He is like, his eyes were wide in joyous shock. He was, he wasn't, I don't want to say he was like quite quiet crying or anything, but there was clearly like he'd, he'd gone through something on the day. And so the big thing about the bike is it's lighter. So that's really, it sounds like that's what's really particularly making it stick right now. It's lighter and that's, that's fixing a lot of its woes, but also it's just hearing Jean Mir, like it's not like the engine character is infinitely better. It's not that the front feeling is infinitely better, although he didn't crash today and he crashed immediately during the weekend and he did not crash today. But what's better about it, besides being lighter, is it's a whole lot faster. It's a whole, whole lot faster. And more than anything, he was, it was just, he seemed stunned by the quality of the lap times. And again, he did not do a qualifying simulation run. He was just, he was full of delight. The guy was super, super happy. It was, it was cool to see. It was nice to see and it's good for Honda. And I think it is kind of really funny because it's, it is, it is a coincidence in a way, but it is really funny that the first day of the post Marcus era is Honda's best day in 2023. And that I think includes the Kota win with Alex Rins. Sorry, Alex. I don't know if you guys remember this, but we went to Mizano last year for a mid-season test. And I remember going into the test, we were like hyping up rumors that we'd heard that Honda were going to bring something that was like really quite radically different. And there was some people who were suggesting like this is a bike that was going to be radically different enough that it was going to become the the RC two one four V. It was going to be a big change, etc., etc., etc. And then we got there, and it was like, oh, they've just bought like the same bike with a slightly different set of wings on the front of it, and it performed in exactly the same, you know, absolute garbage way. Today felt like the bike that we should have got that day. Today looks like the bike, even this morning in pit lane before anyone was on track, the bike visually is totally different. Um, there is a massive, like, I'm not going to go too technical because technical isn't my thing, but like just looking at the seat unit, it looks like maybe even they're playing around with a Ducati style mast, uh, mast ampler because suddenly there's a great big huge box mounted onto the seat where Ducati's is. The aerodynamics is totally radical. Um, because it's for the first time it's not just new wings in the front it's stuff all over the bike the sort of thing that we see you know that we expect from Aprilia and KTM not from not from uh, Honda who have been kind of you know slow when it comes to bringing aerodynamic upgrades there's there's something there it looks like there's something there and I think it's also quite telling that that Mir, Marini, Zarco and Nakagami spent most of the day working on the 2024 bike which is not something we've traditionally seen in Mar Marquez era Honda where you know he likes to jump back and forth between old bike and new bike and try you know putting bits of the old bike and the new bike and bikes bits of the new bike and the old bike you know mixing things around there was none of that today there was just let's get in the new bike let's ride the new bike and oh my god this thing might actually be something um i mean <laughs> there's there's just this like potential for the craziest of crazies ahead where suddenly Mark Marquez has jumped off the best Honda in years and it turns into you know a really good season for Luca Marini, the, the guy that no one ever thought would be a factory rider, which would be just 
phenomenally entertaining yeah. as a neutral observer. I think Mark will still be okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. And uh, Matt, you spoke about Matt, you spoke about the the situation where Mir followed Marquez and what he must have been thinking. But I will I will reverse that on you because Mark Marquez made an effort himself to specifically seek out and follow Mir, probably because of the new Honda piqued his curiosity yeah i can imagine which i think also says a fair bit and also because i think we all implicitly know that mark still very much harbors the intention to return to honda as the prodigal son one day maybe win another title or two i think that's very much that and today has made that prospect feel infinitely more likely just you know to add about the other riders we've already spoken about about luca marini johan zarko i think we, we haven't heard from him but i think he had a I think he had a good day, and he also had a goofy-looking crash at the end, so that's a bit of a Honda throwback, but otherwise a good competitive-looking day. Because of that crash, the time that Takanakagami had on the 2024 bike was a bit limited, apparently. But, so they, you know, they just gave Nakagami the, the Zarko spec bike, basically. So I'm not, I'm not actually entirely sure what Nakagami was doing the whole day, but I know that he got the, the 2024 version at the end, and he also loved it instantly. So, they've they've done good work, uh, good job, really, just good job, and it's it's nice because I don't think Mark should be particularly upset or it should feel particularly galling for him or whatever because he's got a great package with a great team with a you know very interesting story for all of us, wonderful story for all of us, more interesting story still for all of us than it would have been Mark staying even on this Honda, but seeing Luca Marini, Juan Mir. And Jan Zarko and Takanakagami get a pretty decent bike at, at their disposals and, you know, snipe some good results and seeing Luca Marini, who's already in the top 10 today. Imagine, imagine. I think that's, I'm re I'm quite giddy about that. I Weirdly tell. giddy. Didn't expect to be this I, I, giddy mm. about anything at this point of the day. <laughs> until now, like literally until Val was being giddy opposite me, um, it has never crossed my mind that there was any route that would bring Mark Marquez to Honda for the 2025 MotoGP season. Wow. I, I expected him to go back to Honda soon. Yeah. I'd never thought it would be within, you know, basically one contract cycle. But all of a sudden, you know what? If that bike's as good as they made it look today, and, and let's not go too far ahead of ourselves. We've seen Hondas turn up to testing and look really good and then be be absolute garbage yes. before that that is something but it's never been at valencia and it's never been multiple hondas it's been like mark marquez doing a few good laps or paul doing a few good laps in qatar or something like that it's never been like everyone at honda suddenly looking really fast um it's never ever been a satellite honda looking really fast and i think like all of a sudden there is a possibility that we might see that we might send back sooner rather than later. Suddenly, that one-year contract looks really, really, you know, really, really like a, 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 an awesome thing for him. Yeah, it looks like a smart move. 
There was a point actually where you speculated on the podcast, maybe sort of September time, that could Marquez actually afford to hang on to see what Honda brought to the Valencia test because he was so in control of the rider market and so few people were really going to be inconvenienced by that time. I mean, as it turned out, the rider market took a load more twist because the idea of Luca Marini ending up on that bike looked completely you know, out of this world nonsense in September. In fact, it looked completely out of this world nonsense until about 10 minutes before it happened, which was, which, which was, has been quite amusing. I mean, yes, um, no one expected any of this, but it's kind of perfect because he's going to be super fast on the Ducati this year. Everyone knows that. So we're getting the element of him switching manufacturers and proving once and for all that he's capable of running in two manufacturers. We're getting a very quick return to Honda to still be part of the Honda family for life and with the possibility to win there again. And we're getting, you know, what I still maintain will be, if he wins the title next year, one of the greatest comeback stories in the history of sport. Yeah. Everything about this is perfect for him. Absolutely. I still think think it's too boring without like a couple of KTM years. (laughs) Well, this is it, isn't it? It's the other thing I'm really tantalized by now. It already feels like we're going straight into the 2025 rider market with how this is set, and particularly if Marquez is instantly super rapid when the, the when the real thing starts. Simon's waving a, a picture at us, which is a great visual aid. For is that Simon? You got to explain what that is, because obviously I, we can half see it. Listeners definitely can't. That is a picture of Mark Marquez's new Ducati sitting in the back of the Grissini truck with a caption that just says "Difficult conditions today, but I'm going to." have a beer with a big smile tonight from his new crew chief Frankie Carcetti which is the most that we've got from uh, from anyone inside the Grissini cap really about how today went uh, but whatever Carcetti is pleased with uh, pleased with the performance um, I think yeah I think he is definitely going to have a beer tonight to enjoy it we yeah we often end up discussing the two fallen Japanese giants together. So as we've done a bit of Honda chat, this seems like a good time to summarise Yamaha's day as well. Sound like quite a lot of new stuff going on at Yamaha for Fabio Quartararo and his new teammate Alex Rins. Yeah, so I got a bit of karmic retribution because Fabio actually looks quite good now, but I'm the one with the cold, <laughs> so maybe shouldn't have been cracking jokes two weeks ago or two weeks ago, two days ago. It's felt like two weeks. Two it, days, it, it, yeah. Typhoid heals heals quickly, it turns out. It, 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 I should also say it has felt like two weeks. Um, Fabio was not thrilled, but like ex- I think in line with expectations, he expected a, a pigeon step from the engine, and he basically said, yeah, it was more or less the same. It needs to be quicker in Sepang, but that's what Yamaha has more or less mapped out in the roadmap, that Sepang is going to be the big, the big step. In whatever way it comes, it just it, it's going to bring more usable power in Sepang. So that's going to be the like the real test and the real determinant of whether Fabio Quartararo suddenly you know recommits or finds himself a new suitor for 2025. They extensively tried new Arrow today with both Quartararo and uh, Alex Rins Arrow that looks European manufacturer Arrow, obviously, and uh, both were quite happy. But again, I think. For Fabio, the big doubt is, can this arrow be used on the Yamaha M1 without the extra power that's needed to mitigate the drag created by the bigger arrow? And that's, you know, that's always the thing, basically. 
this is things you don't actually consider, but one of the things that he pointed out today that I'd never even thought of before was that it was kind of hard to work it out too much because the new arrow is super, super heavy because they've made it out of plastic and not out of carbon fiber yet to make sure that the proof was right before they then go away and spend a fortune casting it in carbon fiber. Um, so there's still work to do with it. But you know what Val said about it being European Aero, um, I was in the, the back of the Aprilia garage earlier and I said to one of their guys, you know, have you seen the new Yamaha Aero? And he hadn't. And I showed him a photo of it and he said, Oh, now I understand what Sky Italia were talking about whenever they said, let's go to the Yamaha box to look at the new Aprilia wings. Because it, it looks basically like the wings off the Aprilia, um, which is, is really, really promising. Um, we, I did a, 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 like a really good sort of 20-minute interview with Quattararo in Qatar that we'll publish at some point whenever Matt decides in the coming weeks. <laughs> um, but, but he goes into length in it about you know exactly what he said today that that this was never the test to decide whether or not he was staying at Yamaha this was a test to manage his expectations this was a test to to kind of see incremental gain knowing that it was more about setting the direction for what they're going to for the big step they're going to get hopefully in February um and he sounded a little bit today like someone that was kind of permanently reminding himself that that was the goal from today. That, you know, trying to keep himself calm and not to get too carried away with things not being exceptional today. Um, yeah, it's it's it sounds like they've moved in the right direction. Just in terms of Alex Rins, who obviously was sort of the headline ticket item, but whose debut is... You know, not made as exciting as it would have been if he was fully fit. You know, poor Alex still suffering the after effects of the leg break that effectively wrote off most of his season, which I still think would have been a much better season. Should have been a much better season. Um, he, I think we can't really read too much into the lap times because, you know, it's testing with a new bike. But what I think is interesting is he got comfortable very quickly because they, they immediately made him do testing work. And that's, you know, that's Alex Renz. That's what you, also what you get him for because he's famously quite decent at that too. I think, he's a, I think he's a lovely signing. Lovely, lovely, lovely signing for Yamaha. Just fantastic fit. Nothing about today has made me feel otherwise. Hi, producer Johnny here, interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan, a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand, and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best, and that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable, and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and gold fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the commuter collection, and I can tell they're going to be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The commuter collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. 
That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Uh, well, the focus was on the actual Mark Marquez doing new things on a new bike. The potential next Mark Marquez was making his MotoGP debut on Tuesday as well. Pedro Acosta uh, on the Tech 3 Gas Gas, the Moto2 champion, a very, very exciting new talent, both in the way he rides and in the way he conducts himself as well. Val, how would you assess Acosta's first day in the big game? So, f- great first day, but le- le- so... So as not to bury the lead, great first day. But before we get into that, I look. I have to keep mentioning it because it's it's, it's been scrambling my brain when I saw Are that you bike talk about for the first... again. Now? No, 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 no. I'm going to talk about something much less important. I'm going to talk about the fact that Pedro Costa is running number 31, and the 31 decal on his bike looks like 37 because Pedro Costa wanted to be running 37 in yeah he won Moto 2 with 37 Moto 3 with 37 Red Bull Rookies Cup with 37 and now you know he's picked 31 for his bike and apparently he didn't ask for the 31 to look like 37 but just discovered that it's virtually indistinguishable and it's you know the number might as well be 30 <coughs> that's that's what it is um how did he get out of the track <laughs> Um, I don't know, man. I only looked at the number. Yeah, he, he went great. <laughs> he, was, he was really good. He was really competitive. He's not far off Augusto Fernandez at all. I think he adapted quicker than Augusto did last year, which I, I think is, you know, to be expected in terms of, you know, just comparing those two riders and their career paths and how they r- reach their respective peaks. I think that made a lot of sense. It was gradually growing, gradually and gradually and gradually faster. He ended the day pretty quick. Then it also crashed. And apparently he crashed... His explanation, I, I, the problem is I can't really do it justice because Pedro Costa was a lot of fun in his media session after the race. He was talking very like flamboyantly and excitedly and using so many words and like just felt like he could be talking for another 20 or 30 minutes and he was happy about absolutely everything, including some of his crash. And he was very memorable. Everything he was doing, everything he was saying, it felt it felt memorable. It felt very character, and that's you know that's a term that's overused, and I don't I don't want to call anybody ever boring, but I I can call Pedro Costa very interesting. I think we're in for a very interesting year with Pedro Costa. Uh, his crash was he made a mistake the corner before, and then for some reason instead of aborting the lap and regrouping himself i think his thought process was something like i've seen maverick and i've seen some other rider do that next corner at like massive corner speed and i also wanted to give it a go and and i gave it a go and i ended up and i ended up down on the ground and he was he was really excited about talking about that too he's just he's so happy to be here he probably the the entire like whatever five or four final rounds of the Moto2 season were spent entirely in anticipation of being here being in gas gas red and he's here now and he looks unsurprisingly he looks very legit yeah i mean we, we never really doubted it and he's such an interesting character i um I, I think that everyone's known how fast he is because of the fact that we've seen it his character still hasn't really come out because he hasn't got an awful lot of screen time off the bike. And he is very, very quickly going to become MotoGP's new Marmite character 
because people are there either going to absolutely adore his brashness and his honesty and his bluntness and his aggressivity, or they're going to hate it, much like they do with Mark Marquez. Um, but th there's a reason that people in the paddock have been building him up as potentially the next Marquez or the next Rossi, and it's not because of his speed. It's not entirely because of his speed. Uh, I think today was a crash course in, in Pedro Acosta off the bike, uh, sort of, you know, like like glee and and aggressivity and all, all of those things that just make him a really really cool person. Uh, really looking forward to seeing more of him next year. Um, looking forward to media debrief sessions with him, which I think are going to be totally and utterly unpredictable. Which are what all the best ones are. Um, you want a guy who turns up to his media debrief on a Friday, wholly prepared to talk about something that you never ever expect him to talk about. Um, generally with, you know, with quite a strong opinion on it. Uh, there's going to be lots of that next year. It's going to be a whole lot of fun having him in MotoGP every week. There's so much from this test that we can talk about, which bodes so well for next season. But we've got all winter to talk about it. So we will try and get through expanded versions of so many things that we're doing in brief today. I'm going to let you two have one piece of other business each from Tuesday at Valencia. And then we have another thing to talk about, about a very big change for 2024. Val, your hand went up first. What is your other piece of business from Valencia Tuesday? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna make one short one and one very long one. And you can't stop me because I've already started talking. The short one nah. is it's just really funny that Marek Vinales topped the test. Just funny. That's that's all I got to say. It's, it's funny. Uh, the long one is about the the other Aprilia rider who I think made quite a big impression today, and that's not Alessio Spargo who attended this shortly because he's short, soon because he's still injured. It's Raul Fernandez who was running with the Aprilia test team in lieu of the RNF Aprilia hospitality being disassembled while the test was going on, and in lieu of RNF Aprilia staffers walking around the paddock, but not really you know, being allowed to to send a bike out on track or anything because they didn't have the bike at their disposal ralph fernandez ran with the test team he ran the the 2023 aprilia he was really fast with it he was stunned at how fast with it he was and when i when i put to him that you know aprilia riders have tended to say that there's actually not that big a difference between the 23 and the the 22 he looked like me at me like i'm the, the dumbest stupidest person in the in the entire world and he was like mate look at the look at the lap times today that's that's all there is to know about how these two bikes compare. So I think, pr presumably specifically for Raul, they compare in a very in a very particular way. And also maybe, I don't know. It's it's exciting. That's exciting for for next season. Simon, your go. Val got two, so I'm having to screw it. There's nothing you can do. No, again, um, you've started talking, which seems to be the rule now. Yeah, so. exactly. My my first one is just that um, Aprilia debuted in an official public setting today their new uh, carbon fiber chassis, which is a 2025 project, not a 2024 project, the uh, test writer Lorenzo Salvatore insisted, but it cannot come soon enough. And I don't care if it's fast or slow. It is just the most beautiful looking thing I've ever seen. It is a work of art that belongs in a modern art museum and not in a MotoGP track. So please, please, please bring it soon so we can all look at it more. Um, the negative thing that we found out today about 2025 is that um, basically Michelin have come with their, their new 2025 prototype front tyre that's going to save MotoGP from having to worry about tyre pressure rules. And they've just completely cocked it up. And it, it makes me question everything about their commitment to this damn championship because they handle it so badly. It is essentially December 
and they brought a hard compound only in this new tire that they're desperate for everyone to test and they only gave it to the factory riders and not one of them tried it because it's December and a hard compound front tire would be Crash City. Um, I mean, how are we supposed to develop a new tire if there's no new tire, if it can't be tested? How are they supposed to bring it any sooner? Yeah, I mean, such an own goal today. If they brought it in the soft compound, all of them would have tried it and it would have been great and we would have got loads of useful data and instead they, they shot themselves in the foot and here we are stuck with it. Uh, dumb, dumb, dumb decision from Michelin. And I think that tees up the fact we might talk about tyre pressure rules once or twice over the winter as well before that change does or doesn't happen next year. Um, one change for next year that was announced before the test, the concession system is having a massive revamp. Now, we're going to get into this in a big way over the winter because I think it's going to be so significant for the years ahead. Val, your hand shot up first, so you have 20 seconds to explain that system and then you can both give your take on it. Four tier system instead of a two tier, so instead of an on and off switch, uh, tier A is Ducati, tier B is nobody right now, tier C is Aprilia and KTM, tier D is the Japanese manufacturers. Um, the tiers will be basically reconsidered based on the manufacturer point standings every half a year. Um, it's quite a significant pegging back of Ducati in terms of the testing tire allocation and the fact that Michele Piero basically can't show up and do wildcards anymore. No wildcards yeah, for Michele. Yeah, plenty of wildcards for, for everybody else. I'm sorry, this is going to be more than 20 seconds. It's quite a... Yeah, I it's mean, fine. Even, <laughs> even I was being optimistic. Yeah, just use the I've started talking rule. It'll be fine. I've started talking, so 20 seconds is going to turn into 20 minutes. I promise you that. Got you, two, look- you got too used to not having a host on Sunday. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, basically, the, the situation is that Aprilia and KTM clearly didn't really agree that Yamaha and Honda should just have or on switch concessions and so presumably to make them agree because a unanimous agreement was required MotoGP has had to create you know a, a tiered system where mini concessions partial concessions went to Aprilia and KTM Ducati doesn't like that very much Ducati thinks Yamaha and Honda fair enough but Aprilia and KTM that's bogus but somehow they agreed to it and today, Gigi Delinia said it was basically to make sure the concession system happens and for the good of the championship, which is fair enough. But also, there's some bargaining chip there somewhere that we'll figure out at some point whether, whether it's just the right to continue to run eight bikes or something more concrete and more obvious in the future. We'll find out. But you just you, you don't give up that kind of that kind of concession. You don't give up for nothing. So yeah, that's that's basically the the, the new concession system. Uh, it means that the, like still the biggest brakes are for Yamaha and Honda. They don't have an engine freeze anymore, so you can bring basically a new engine every round if you're okay with pit lane starts. You can bring total nonsense, have it blow up immediately. Uh, they can very importantly test with race riders and at any GP circuit rather than three nominated ones. It's it's, it's quite it's it's a much more complicated system. Big, isn't it's it? It's a big one. I think both Simon and I are fans that we have been impressed when we opened the the, the document and we've read the document we basically got more and more impressed i would argue so it's it's a substantial upgrade so well played i love it i absolutely love it i think it is it's exactly what we need because it it helps the japanese manufacturers a lot where they really need it to get out of the the absolute despair hole that they're in 
but it also brings something less and takes something away from Ducati to balance the fact that they've got eight bikes in the grid. And that's that. That is the joy of it. That it doesn't just help those that are in trouble and 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 punish those that are you know being successful. It's got a bit more balance to it than the old system, and as a result, everyone benefits from it. Apart from Ducati, who don't need to benefit from it because they've got you know all those all those bikes in the grid. Um, it, it's quite funny that um, I've been talking to teams about it a little bit, and uh, we spoke to Gigi Delinia on Tuesday morning about it. And one of his, you know, one of the things he said was, well, you know, they've they've taken away some of our tire allocation. Now, instead of having 100 sets of tires a year to test with, we only have uh, 85 tires to test with every year. Then I spoke to one of the other factories who told me that Ducati only used 60 sets of tires to test with this year. <laughs> you know, so, so there is a sense of Ducati complaining just for the sense of complaining. Um where you know, and whereas the reality of it is that everyone kind of got something out of it, and everyone lost something out of it. Um, I would imagine that there was a door to threat if Ducati had threatened to veto it, that they just said, "Well, you know what? This is a sporting regulation, not a technical regulation. Ducati can't actually veto it if we say every manufacturer can only have six bikes." And that's been part of the way that they've forced it through. You know, they could have taken two grid spots off Ducati and given them to KTM and Ducati would have been much more unhappy about it than they are now. Um, so by and large, no, it, 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 you know, everyone's a little bit peeved. Everyone's a little bit happy and it's going to make the sport and the show better. And it's really good to hear actually pretty much every manufacturer we've spoken to say, this is good for the show. Cause at the end of the day, this is a show and it's a show that, hasn't been as good as it used to be recently so quite pleased to hear that so there we go we have new rules that are going to make the competition even better we have a massive rider market shake-up already coming into effect we've got teams already looking better for next season than we really could have expected i've enjoyed MotoGP 2023 so much and it already feels after just one day of testing like MotoGP 2024 is going to be something even more special than that Thank you, Val. Thank you, Simon, for your long week at Valencia and for everything through the through the year so far. Thank you for doing the podcast without me on Sunday night. I, I really did not like to miss the title decider after all of this, but there's some family health drama that took precedent. Everyone getting much better now. Um, but yeah, I also quite enjoyed listening to you two without me. It was quite, quite refreshing. Um, maybe a little bit worrying. Um, but yes, thank you listeners, particularly for your company through this year. We've got so much to bring you over the winter, so much we have tried to cram into these episodes that we want to talk about in much more length. I can't wait for Simon's full unraveling of the RNF track house situation. We've got interviews to come. We've got a lot of plans. Um, thank you for your company. We'll be back in your ears very soon with the first of the winter episodes of the Race Motor GP podcast and probably getting even more excited about 2024 again. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub. 
an official partner of The Athletic.